0: all right guys you are locked on falcons i am your host aaron freeman and today we are doing a breakdown of the falcons 2018 undrafted free agents we'll be looking at these offensive skill positions running back wide receiver and tight end you are locked on falcons your daily podcast on the atlanta falcons part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Alright guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, founder of com, one of the longest running Falcon websites on the internet, on Twitter, at falcfans, and of course the host of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. So guys, we're going to be continuing our undrafted series breakdown, looking at the many undrafted, over two dozen undrafted free agents that the Falcons have picked up. If you did not check out the most recent episode that was dealing with Grady Jarrett, I did talk quite extensively about Kurt Bankert, the undrafted quarterback that the Falcons brought into camp or are bringing into camp, and his chances of making the roster. Um, you know, I think as I said on that episode, Bankert sort of deserved a a big chunk of a podcast and today we're going to move on to the other offensive skill positions we're going to look at the running back position the fullbacks the tight ends the wide receivers and then in future episode we'll do the offensive line and defensive line breakdown looking at the guys in the trenches as one episode and then we'll wrap up by talking about the linebackers the safeties and of course we will devote an entire episode to the kicker david marvin i'm kidding on that we'll we'll throw david marvin in in that uh back seven episode but without further ado, let's start talking about this 2018 undrafted offensive skill position group. Um, I should admit at the top that a lot of this is working from memory. I did a lot of looking at some of these guys in May, and now we're in June, and so I'm I'm basically going off of my memory as opposed to taking copious notes. Unlike the actual draft picks, which we've done uh, scouting reports over the last several weeks of, uh, I don't watch as many games with these guys. I might watch one, maybe two games with them. Bankert was sort of the exception where I watched four of his games just because he's a quarterback and other reasons that I explained in the previous episode. But a lot of this is just like, okay, if they played an All Star game, I watched that. If they played a the bowl game, I might have watched that. But uh, for the most part, this is going off of memory. So um, with that being said, you know, I, I guess some of this stuff may be a little bit off. But it doesn't matter. Anyway, let's get into it. Let's start out talking about the running backs. The Falcons brought in two true halfbacks, tailbacks, whatever you want to call them. We'll talk a little bit more about Demario Richard in terms of his outlook potentially as a fullback in a little bit. But the two main guys that are probably competing for the opportunity to be the fourth running back on the depth chart behind Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, and Edo Smith are Justin Crawford from West Virginia And Malik Williams from Louisville. And I think, you know, the interesting thing about Crawford, I think as a running back prospect, Crawford was a draftable caliber uh, player. Um, I think there are some similarities between him and Edo Smith. I I think, you know, um, Crawford is more quick than fast. He's not really a power guy. Um, Doesn't really have that elite, elite speed but i think you know he was very effective and very productive in west virginia's inside zone running scheme i think he's a decent option in the passing game i think he's a running back as a pure running back prospect i think he's probably well ahead of malik williams i think where malik williams sort of stands out is from a size speed standpoint he's got a better combination i think the other thing that malik williams does uh pretty well Uh, particularly for a college player, is that his pass protection is is pretty decent from what I saw. Um, He was able to be effective blocking for Lamar Jackson last year. He was rarely sort of used in the offense as a running back, and so I think he might be a a ways behind Crawford in that regard. But I think, as I talked about when we talked about the Edo Smith scouting report, I do think um, the pass protection skills are going to matter a lot because if you're a rookie or... Um, Really, if you're a third or fourth string running back in the future, um, the only reason that you'll get any real reps on offense is going to be um, because you can hold hold up in, in the passing game. Because that's really... You know, I, I think more so than running and receiving skills, unless you're an exceptional player in that regard. And typically you don't expect undrafted players to, to turn out to be the next Arian Foster, even though it is possible. But I wouldn't necessarily look at either one of these two guys as the next one. Um You know your running back, your running and receiving skills aren't too much of an asset, particularly when you have guys like Freeman and Coleman and and Edo Smith already on the roster. So it's going to be a little bit harder for those guys to stand out in that regard. So I think Williams might have a leg up at least because of he is a little bit seems a little bit more polished as a pass protector. Uh, Let's talk about Demario Richard. And an interesting thing is um, he's listed as a fullback on the Falcons roster, official roster, if I'm not mistaken. Last I saw. And so it'll be interesting to see if he gets a look there. But I, I my expectation is he'll probably get more of a look at running back. Uh, you, you look at the. I don't know. I can't think of a time when the Falcons have brought three fullbacks to camp and had them compete. I don't. I don't think that's been a situation since Dan Quinn's arrival. Maybe we did that in 2013 or 2014 under Mike Smith or something like that um maybe one of those years when like Lusaka Polite was the fullback competing for the job maybe we had three guys back then um but I I say that just because like they already have and we'll talk about these two guys in a minute in Daniel Marks and and Luke McNitt as well as Ricky Ortiz and to throw a fourth guy into the mix like Richard I just seems like overkill I don't know if you have enough reps to go around for those guys. So, like, are you going to give them one quarter each in the preseason games? That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense if you really want to get a long look. So my expectation is Richard will be more in the mix as a running back position. Maybe he'll get some looks at fullback, but uh, I don't really see that being his pathway to making the team. And I think because of that, um, I think he's probably a little bit behind both Crawford and Williams just because... He, as a runner, he's not particularly explosive. He does have some physicality. He does have some power. He can be a good downhill runner, but I don't think that's really, you know, I I know there are some people out there and I've heard many of these people say this over the years is that the Falcons need a power running back because that's the one element of their offense that's sort of missing. And when you actually look at it, it's like, you know, that whole idea of having like a a TJ Duckett type of running back is kind of an antiquated idea from a. Um, a, a forgotten era of the NFL, you know, forgotten as in 12 years ago type of era where it's like when you look at the best sort of short yardage running backs in the league, uh, you know, you don't necessarily see a correlation between, you know, size and power. It's like some of the guys that are the best in the league are some of the best running backs in the league. Some of them, some of the better ones in the league are, you know, the more biz bigger physical guys are sort of below average as far as converting on short yardage. It's interesting that when you actually look at the the last three seasons combined and look at the number of times a running back has converted a first down run when it has had two or less yards to go, Devontae Freeman is tied with the league lead with Latavius Murray with the number of those runs. Um, you know, when you, change it to percentage of runs then he sort of falls a little bit closer to the middle of the pack but it is one of those things where I don't I think that number sort of shows that the Falcons don't really need a short yardage running back like certainly it was one of those things and I don't really expect Richard to be that guy uh you know I don't expect him to be like an Adrian Peterson or Zeke Elliott guys that have really good in short yardage situations so You know, I, I don't know if Richard's power is going to really help him make the roster. It does make him sort of stand out in that regard, but I think you have to have a little bit of quick, you have a little explosiveness, and those are things that Richard isn't quite as adept with, and I think it probably gives him a little bit of a long shot look compared to some of the others. So we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the fullback position as well as, of course, the wide receiver and tight end positions. But first, I want to remind you guys that the dark times are coming up, where there is not going to be as much football uh, talk or going on in the league because there is no football. We're waiting till training camp. The NBA is going to be quietly shuttering its doors after the draft and free agency goes by pretty quickly, and so we'll be at the dark times when there's not a whole lot of sports talk. But. Hey guys, there is, if you happen to be one of those crazy people that are into baseball, you can check out Locked On Braves with host Nabias Wilborn, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the fullback position is an interesting one, just because that's going to be a bit of a toss-up, and relative to some of these other players uh, competing for roster spots, you know, one of these guys between Daniel Marks and Luke McNitt, who I mentioned earlier, uh, could legitimately make the team they'll be competing with Ricky ortiz i've said on previous episodes i do think ortiz is the front runner but it's not like he's a slam dunk to win that job um i think between these two marks is the better talent i think marks is a little bit more at least in terms of his um, movement ability does a little bit better job uh, adjusting to things you know when you trying to block a guy in a hole and, and do those sort of things the my biggest concern with marks is his lack of physicality at the point of attack And this was one of the things that Derek Coleman continually struggled with, which was, you know, when Coleman did hit his assignments, he wasn't unable to sort of move that guy out of the hole. You don't necessarily have to be a bulldozer at the fullback position, but you do need to win the majority of those point of attack, um, you know, uh, impacts and and whatnot. And that was something that Coleman really struggled with. And I don't really see how Marks is going to improve that, uh, particularly when you consider that, you know, he has four five years less of experience blocking NFL linebackers when, when you, when you're going from blocking, if you can't clear basically if you can't clear out a pack 12 defender, then why would I expect you to be able to clear Levante David or Luke Kuechly out of the hole? You know what I'm saying? And McNitt is fine. Like, you know, he isn't anything special. He's okay. Like there's not really anything like, like, Oh, Luke McNitt does this really well or, or does this really well. He's just, he's okay. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm a little bit more pro Ricky Ortiz than than other people. We'll, we'll see how the battle goes. I think both of these guys have a legitimate shot. You you could say both of them have, you know, a 25 to 33% chance mathematically of winning that um full starting fullback position, which typically for undrafted free agents mathematically those guys have about a 5% chance, 5 to 10% chance of making an NFL roster. So both of these guys just due to the fact that the Falcons don't really have uh, a proven candidate there, you know, or, or, you know, do the math, I can't do it, you know, three, four, five times more likely to make the team than than some of these other guys. Um, Let's talk about the wide receiver position. And I think this is going to be an interesting battle because the Falcons do have some talent here, but just because I think they already sort of have seven guys competing for six spots, Uh, You know, you have Julio, Sanu, Hardy, Ridley, pretty much locks to make the roster. Russell Gage should make the roster as the fifth guy. Um, And then you have Reggie Davis and Marvin Hall probably being the front runners to compete for that sixth spot with Hall probably having a slight leg up. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of that could depend on who wins the return jobs and sort of that will affect who, um, you know, winds up making this team. Uh, particularly at this wide receiver position, if if Ito Smith isn't holding down one of those spots, if Isaiah Oliver isn't holding down one of those spots, certainly somebody will be able to help themselves out quite a bit, particularly guys like Justin Hardy or, or Calvin Ridley or Marvin Hall, if they can win that return job. Um, but I do think, you know, with these undrafted free agents, uh, there's an outside shot that one of these guys could sort of sneak on the roster, but I think they probably would need... Injuries, or just to have a really dominant camp. Uh, we talked about with Andy Gallagher a recent fan talk that we had. Andy from the UK, um, Falcons Andy on Twitter, and we talked about Dantes board being the guy that you know is the early favorite to be uh, the the fan favorite because there's always one wide receiver that fans sort of latch onto in the preseason, sometimes deservedly so, sometimes not so much. And I think Dantes Bird, as we talked about with Andy, has this sort of ability where you see this explosiveness you see this monster production on a really really bad Tennessee Tech team last year I think they won one game if I'm not mistaken and you know college production does sort of matter a little bit at wide receivers you're not going to find that many successful NFL wide receivers that weren't also productive in college it's one of those things where it's kind of you know it's hard to take a track guy and turn him into a star you got guys like marquise goodwin but those guys are sort of more the exception to the rule than than the norm i'm sure there's like for every marquise goodwin there's like five james jets or or similar type of players who was that guy that we signed uh garrett stri whatever his name stripling or something like that we signed last offseason to try to turn him from like a Olympic hurdler into a, an NFL wide receiver. That doesn't typically happen. But I think Bird is probably the guy that stands out. Devin Gray is probably the most athletic, at least on paper, of the group and also was pretty productive in his first year at Cincinnati um, after transferring with Juker year as a junior. And then the, seemingly they changed coaches and his, his production fell off of a cliff this past year. So I do think he's a little bit of a sleeper guy that – you know, circumstances prevented him from having that sort of monster production that would give you a lot more um hope there. But you know, you look at his four four nine forty, six, six, four, um, three cone, which I, I believe is uh 92nd percentile, 38 inch vertical, which is 81st percentile. So he's got a lot of athletic traits, he's got big hands nearly 10 inch mitts, uh, hand size does sort of correlate to consistently catching the ball. So if any of you people out there are big, you know, drops are killing this team proponent, then maybe you, you might like Devin Gray in that regard. Taj Williams is the most recent uh, free agent pickup for the wide receiver group. And, you know, the reason why he sort of stands out is he's got height six, three He's not particularly sturdy guy. He's Another former Juco guy came out hot out of the gates at TCU. If I, recall correctly, he had like 11 catches in his first uh, major college game as a a junior, but sort of slowly dipped out of favor as time wore on and barely played this past year. I've heard some things through the grapevine, um, you know, and through the grapevine means I saw it on a message board somewhere, a TCU message board, Um, but uh, that, you know, he wasn't working as hard uh, in practice and that led to his being cut out a little bit more out of the offense and being in the doghouse but you like the speed you like the height um, I don't know if he's a particularly physical jump ball type of receiver he was the MVP of the tropical bowl and he looked competitive in that game from what I saw so you know any concerns out about his work ethic may have been specific to the TCU coaching staff as opposed to you know he's a natural sort of guy that dogs it or so so I, I don't know if that hearsay right there is, is too applicable and so I think he has a shot Christian Blake is solid, the, the kid from New, uh, Northern Illinois. He doesn't really stand out in a major way from the pack, but you know, sort of may be the more all-around candidate. Lamar Jordan is intriguing as a former quarterback from New Mexico that's going to make the conversion to wide receiver. Uh, he was a very good running quarterback. His passing numbers were not very good. Um, to really think he has any shot at that position. And so, you know, it takes time typically for quarterbacks, converts to, to take to the wide receiver position. So I think really as, as far as this group of wide receivers goes, he's more of a guy that is hoping that he can impress with his natural athleticism and earn a spot on the practice squad and get some time to get that sort of development and refinement. Um, But as I said, I, I do think these guys are all really more, more or less competing for practice squad spots. Uh, Rather than potential roster spots, I do think if any of these guys show or have the opportunity to show out on special teams, that will go a very, very long way to making the roster. Because truth be told, unless you're going to be in the top three or four wide receivers, which there's no reason to think that that's going to be the case anytime soon uh, with the Falcons' current crop of wide receivers, um, then... If you're going to see the field similar to Russell Gage, it's going to be primarily as a special teams player. You saw that with Marvin Hall last year, uh, as the what the fifth, sixth receiver last year. Um, you know, got some opportunities on offense, but they were far and few between when he was primarily working as a gunner on, on punt teams. So I think with these wide receivers, they're all sort of competing for a um, practice squad spot. So we'll see how it goes. So, guys, we're going to wrap up a little bit with this tight end group, but I want to quote the great Samuel Leroy Jackson by asking the question, what do Falcons do? Of course, They rise up. Well, you can rise up as well if you go to BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity Rises up. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since BlueChew.com ships direct, they're cheaper than any pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. And when you use the promo code Locked On, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's blue com. promo code Locked On. To try it for free, Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice. So, guys, let's talk about the tight ends. Um, The Falcons had Troy uh, Mangan, the Ohio tight end. They just recently picked up the kid from Yale, Jaden Graham. um, I keep calling these guys kids, uh, but I'm now in my mid-30s, so I, I feel like it's not as condescending when I call kids when you see someone 27 doing it, it's like, come on, dude, you're like, you were in, went to the same high school as these guys. So you would have been in the same high school. So, um, I think, you know, the, the interesting thing about the tight end position, sorry for digressing as I often do on the show, but, uh, the interesting thing is I think Mangan is a pretty good blocker. And I do think blocking skill is going to help, uh, as regard for these guys really sort of winning that job. I don't think either one of these guys is really dynamic as a wide receiver, that or or as a receiver that's going to really sort of stand out. Maybe one of them does do well and is productive and catches a bunch of, you know, eight-yard passes in the second halves of these preseason games and maybe get a touchdown or two or something like that in the red zone. But I don't really think the Falcons are looking at either one of these guys primarily because they're really hoping to expand the the sort of the usage of the Receivers, I think between Hooper and Saubert, they have way more talent as far as uh, the receiving ability than either Mangan or, or Graham bring to the table. So I do think in that regard, ideally one of these guys sort of shows out as a blocker and potentially could replace Logan Paulson as the, you know, the blocking tight end specialist in 2019 in an ideal scenario. And I think Mangan probably has a leg up from what I've seen. He's, he's a pretty competent inline blocker. Graham, I think, you know, I didn't sit there and, and watch a ton of him because um, I was focusing on Foyer Olakou when I was watching Yale games. But I saw enough of him to be like, yeah, I think he's got a lot of work to go there. But at least from a size standpoint, there's some potential there. Um, I think, you know, these two guys could compete for a practice squad spot. I think there's a shot that they could make it as a fourth tight end, similar to what we saw a couple of years ago as Josh Perkins. But again, I don't necessarily expect either one of these guys to really stand out in a receiving game like Perkins did or to be such dominant blockers. That's going to be like, we got to keep this guy because you know, a blocker of his caliber, the equivalent of a Josh Perkins as a receiver prospect is one of these guys as a blocker. I don't necessarily see that either. Um, It'll be interesting to sort of see where the Falcons go. When we talk about, uh, you know, roster building, um, You know, typically when you're putting together a 53-man roster, and for those of you guys that obsess about this stuff like I do, you know, it's typically 25 offensive players, 25 defensive players, and three special teams guys that make up that 53. Um, You know, you can take away one or two guys on offensive defense depending on injury situations, and that really does have a factor. And I think when you look at the Falcons offensively, you know there's going to be two quarterbacks, you know there's going to be four running backs now that Edo Smith is here. That includes the fullback, whoever wins that fullback battle. You know that there's probably going to be six wide receivers. You only really need five, but the Falcons have con- consistently carried six on their roster, and that probably is likely going to happen again this year. There's going to be at least three tight ends on the roster and nine offensive linemen, and if I'm not mistaken, my math, that adds up to about 24 players. And so really, that 25th spot, I've referred to it before in a previous uh, podcast where it's kind of a grand- Back position, it could be literally any position. It could be a third quarterback like a banker. It could be another running back. It could be a second fullback. It could be a seventh wide receiver, as we saw last year with the Falcons carrying seven, including Nick Williams on the roster for most of the season. Uh, four tight ends, as we did two years ago with Josh Perkins. It could be a tenth offensive lineman. And, and in a future episode, we'll talk about the possibility of one of those guys winning that spot. Um, you know, probably the smart money is on a guy like Banker to win that potential spot or an offensive lineman at this point in time. um, We'll sort of see how that plays out. But, uh, you know, I think one of the things I enjoy about um, the preseason um, for, you know, because I like to evaluate players and, and analyze how teams build a roster is there's really an unknown there. And it's really that grab bag spot is really for basically the best player available Whoever emerges as that sort of J.D. McKissick, Marvin Hall, um, Josh Perkins type of player that suddenly, you know, is like, oh, this guy is too good. We can't cut him. He won't clear waivers, as we've seen. Sometimes the Falcons have gambled with that and lost players, and sometimes they, they, they haven't. But it's like, that's the sort of guy that wins that last spot on the roster. And of course, as I said earlier, injuries do certainly play a factor. If you have a situation, hypothetically, knock on wood, this doesn't happen. But if you have a situation where Devontae Freeman's dealing with a high ankle sprain going into the season, you know, that definitely increases the chances of guys like Crawford, Williams, or Richard making the roster. Just because the Falcons, for that two, three, four, five games, or however many that Freeman's going to be limited or inactive, the Falcons are probably going to want to carry an extra body on the roster and so that definitely ups the, the chances of a guy like uh, you know Crawford or Williams uh, making the team and so those are the, that's the unknown factor you know how injuries play into it you know I think Fortunately, since Dan Quinn has taken over, injuries haven't been a major issue for the Falcons going into any of these seasons. I think in twenty fifteen, you had issues with Devin Hester and Brooks Reed. I think twenty sixteen, what Keanu New missed the first two games due to what a knee sprain or whatever. You I think last year was Laurie Reynolds and Courtney Upshaw that were limited early in the season. That sort of caused the Falcons to adjust their roster in, in certain ways. Um, But outside of those, and I'm sure some of you may remind me on Twitter um, tomorrow or today or whenever, whenever you listen to it, but outside of those we haven't had major issues going into the season with injuries since the 2013 season where Roddy White was limited, among others, Um, and hopefully that trend continues and the Falcons won't have to deal with anything major um, that could certainly um, affect this competition. But I think as a skill group, you know, I think all these guys, you know, I think the running backs are interesting. I think the wide receivers are interesting, particularly Dantes Burden and Devin Gray sort of stand out there. And I'll be curious if the tight ends can do some things. We'll talk about the the trench players and the offensive linemen, defensive linemen. There are some interesting guys there as well. And we'll get into that in a future episode as well as wrapping up with the linebackers and uh, safeties or linebackers dbs and and special teams at a later date and as i said before um these are sort of going to be used as filler episodes over the next week or so they might be the next three episodes um they they might not they might be sparsed out as i try to get other guests and and do other things Uh, but it's a good way to sort of tie us over till we get to probably a little bit later this month we'll be talking uh Positional previews, and we'll do episodes devoted to each position, but that's probably going to be closer to July as something. So those are the things that are on deck. I'm still open to you guys sending in questions uh, so that we can do Q&As. If you have those, you can just go ahead and send those over to Locked on Falcons. That's the show's Twitter handle. Or Falc fans, just let me know uh, specifically that it's a podcast-related tweet. Uh, That's my Twitter handle. Of course, you can check us out on Facebook at Falcons. Email address LockedOnFalcons at Mail.com. That's the place. If you want to be on a fan talk, just give me your contact information and your availability over the next month or so if you want to do a fan talk before training camp starts. As well as you can leave a comment at LockedOnFalcons.com or FalcFans.com where the show is posted daily. Guys, I appreciate you listening to this episode and we'll be back with more undrafted free agent talk. Um, and, and again, lots more Falcons content coming up over the next, uh, month or two as we build towards training. So until then, you are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.